Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfect Pursuit Podcast. I am so, so grateful that you are tuning in today. If you're new around here, it is so wonderful to have you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Sarah Luthi and I'm a wedding floral designer and creative business coach for creatives and wedding professionals. On this podcast, I share a mix of solo episodes where I provide tangible, strategic trainings for you guys, and I also have the joy of interviewing various different guests who are crushing it in their fields. And one of these amazing guests is the beautiful Cara Duncan. And you guessed it, that is the interview that you guys will be listening in on today. A little bit about Cara. Cara runs her own wedding business, Love at First Travel, which is an award-winning destination wedding planning company. After COVID halted her destination wedding planning business, she quickly pivoted into offering done-for-you services for fellow wedding pros, specifically Pinterest and blogging, which she has found so needed in this space. Cara is passionate about marketing your business in a sustainable way. Now, I know that this term marketing can be a little bit overwhelming. It can be hard to know where your efforts should be focused and how to actually create a strategic marketing plan. It was so fun to pick the brains of Kara, who, can I say, really knows her stuff when it comes to marketing. She breaks marketing down into two streams, as you will, fast marketing and slow marketing. We talk about social media, blogging, Pinterest, how quickly you can expect to see results coming from blogging and Pinterest. I also get to pick her brains about Clubhouse and what she thinks about the new Clubhouse craze. She shares some really cool tips when it comes to creating a marketing strategy for your business, including how many marketing avenues that you should be focusing on, when to know if you're ready to start outsourcing your marketing, and what forms of marketing are predicted to be key in 2021. There is so much juicy content in this interview, so I'm excited for you guys to listen on in. But before we dive in, I would just love to say that I am so grateful for all of your support. I love getting DMs from you guys saying what you're learning from the show or seeing you guys share screenshots of wherever you are listening. It is just so wonderful to know that this space is actually making an impact. So thank you so, so much for your support. And hey, if you are a faithful listener and you haven't yet left a review on the show on Apple Podcasts, I would be so, so grateful. You can leave a five-star rating. And if you could also just leave a quick review saying what you like about the show, this really does help the show to grow. And I would be so, so thankful. Honestly, I read every single review that comes in and it honestly makes my day when I see that someone has left a review. So if you've been listening to the podcast and you've been enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you would consider leaving a review. But without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Cara Duncan all about fast and slow marketing. Let's go. Hey, welcome to the Imperfect Pursuit Podcast. My name is Sarah Luthi and I love all things marketing, money, mindset, and helping creative entrepreneurs pursue their purpose. Nothing in life or business is perfect, but I believe in the power of taking imperfect action and showing up with grace, authenticity, and intentionality. So if you're ready to imperfectly pursue your biggest goals and build a life and business you love, there is a place for you here. Hey, Cara, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into your marketing wisdom and hear all of these beautiful marketing nuggets that you have to share with us. 
Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. Awesome. All right. Well, before we kick into all of the good, juicy stuff, we'd love to know a little bit about your story, how you kind of got started with business and what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, my story started like so many wedding professionals where I started as a frustrated (laughs) bride. And I really wanted to have a destination wedding, but I couldn't find the information I wanted online. So I basically started a blog. And then once that blog started to get traction, I ended up getting certified to be a destination wedding planning or destination wedding planner and travel agent. So that was kind of a way to monetize the blog. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, when you're first engaged and you are like consuming as much information as possible, I was definitely in that <laughs> in yeah. that phase. So it's crazy to think that that's what started everything. And then I've been doing that for the past four years. And then with COVID, since travel restrictions are obviously kind of alive and well, I've pivoted into helping wedding pros with their own marketing. Amazing. Love that story so much. So when did you start your wedding planning business? Uh, February, 2017. Yeah. Amazing. And how are you finding this pivot? How has it been? (laughs) I know you're one of the many entrepreneurs who have pivoted in 2020. What's that looked like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the beginning was super difficult, but I think Mm -hmm. the thing is I, I kind of like took an alternative approach. So I wasn't like, okay, this is a chance to start over. What do I love, etc. Even though I probably would have ended up in the same place, but because they had to pivot quickly, <laughs> I kind mm-hmm. of just like made a list of all the things that I was good at that I knew I could do. And I literally just started talking about all of them and whatever uh, resonated the most with the people that were already following me, whatever people had questions about, whatever people wanted to hire <laughs> me for Mm -hmm. I basically like formed my entire business around that which is kind of kind of a backwards way of doing it and I honestly think I would have ended up in the same place but I think sometimes we have to like give ourselves permission to pivot quickly and pivot messy messily because sometimes you don't know what you're gonna love to do like that's that's great in theory but like I've thought that I would love to do a lot of things that I don't end up loving to do. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. I think it's nice to just get started. There's such a lesson in that. Like often people will wait till they have have everything perfect and they, they feel really, really confident about exactly what they're doing. Um, but as you said, sometimes it's better to just launch <laughs> and work out the rest from there because sometimes we don't know all of those details until we've actually started working with clients and started talking about these things. So no, I love that. Absolutely. So, so many times I think we try to build our entire business around like a plan and then it doesn't look like how we think it will and we've already invested so much time or money into it and it's kind of like it's better in theory than I think it is in reality yeah absolutely um how have you found I guess learning how to market to businesses compared to brides that's I guess a journey I've been on as well what does that look like for you because they're two very different customers has that been challenging or did you find that quite smooth, that transition? Because they're very different kinds of people that you're selling to. Yeah, it is. It is funny how how different it is, I think. you. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like actually I've become more clear on like marketing advice that doesn't work as well in the wedding industry versus yeah. like what works in B2B. So like this is like kind of maybe controversial, but I feel like in the wedding industry or in marketing in general, I should say, we're like taught to like show up and be authentic, but I actually don't think that works as well. (laughs) Like with business to consumer, I think wedding couples like want to hire somebody who like shows pieces of themselves. Sure. But is also like 
doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily want to see the messy side of your business. Uh, And I honestly think that's one thing wedding pros do too much. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. I always like feel guilty because it's like, it's okay that you're a person and it's okay that you have a messy side, but like, don't fall into like the marketing trap that you have to like show that because the reality Mm -hmm. is like people like, especially wedding couples absolutely don't want to see that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've definitely noticed that as well because yeah, when it's B2B, people do want to know that they're connecting with a real person they are open to seeing those sides of you. And I think that's important, but no, you're so right. Like when it comes to the wedding industry and a lot of other industries, although like, yes, people buy from people and that's really important to ensure your brand is packed with personality. I think that's really important. But as you say, I think you still need to maintain a level of like professionalism and yeah, just kind of showing up from, I guess, a more professional space, because as you say, couples don't really want to know when you're having a really, really hard day and business is really hard. Like they don't necessarily really want to know that. No, and COVID hard. Like I get yeah. that people just want to jump on and vent, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so there interesting. Are some viral things that I'm like, oh, I would not be jumping on this trend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And finding that balance between like being authentic, but then also like not telling the world all of your deep, dark secrets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's really interesting. Okay. Well, we'd love to dive into this conversation around marketing because marketing is your jam. And a lot of people have a lot of different understandings of what marketing is. I'm sure you've heard them all, but can you just break it down for us a little bit? Maybe share some of the misconceptions around marketing? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of have a unique approach to this in that I break down everything I do into like fast and slow marketing. So I think one of the things, especially, uh, especially in the wedding industry is one of the misconceptions is that we can grow our entire business on Instagram and not even just in the wedding industry, but it's like, yes, we can, but it is a lot of work and it's Mm -hmm. only work that you want to do if you're planning on marketing, always being a big part of your business. So like, Yet Instagram will work. Instagram will bring in the clients. But the second that you stop marketing on Instagram, let's say you go on holidays for a week or you have a busy month working with clients, Instagram kind of falls off the earth, totally forgets about you, maybe even hunted with you. You know what I mean? It will only work for you if you're showing up every single day. So what I think people need to do is like balance those fast marketing efforts with slow marketing efforts, like Mm -hmm. blogging, anything searchable. So like your podcast would be a perfect example, or if you want to have a YouTube channel or anything where if people search for the content, you have a chance to show up. Pinterest is another example. Like these things don't Mm -hmm. necessarily bring in 10 clients right away, but they might bring in one or two clients every month for the next five years, regardless of if you do anything with it. Mm. Yeah, it's really in a way scary seeing so many businesses building themselves up on this platform that they don't have any control over. And I definitely have been somewhat guilty of that. A lot of my leads come through Instagram. It's a great tool. It's a great place to show up and connect with people. Um, But I've definitely been challenged by that recently thinking if Instagram ever goes down, what's going to happen to my, to my wedding business? Like, will I actually get leads? (laughs) It's definitely something we need to consider. And, you know, we've heard it all before, like don't build your business on 
borrowed land yet so many of us do (laughs) because it's the easier option in a sense like we feel confident with Instagram so no I love this conversation I'm excited to dive deeper into it yeah and it has that instant gratification right like there's nothing more satisfying than when you like put your heart and soul into like the perfect photo perfect caption perfect whatever and then it's like you just like watch the likes roll in right and you're like yes I'm resonating with people and then versus like you write a blog and like literally like nobody claps for you no reviews and you're like yes (laughs) not quite the same so true I love that okay well you've already kind of touched on fast and slow marketing but did you want to break that down a little bit more for us maybe explain a few more platforms that go into each of these categories so people are really clear on what that looks like Yeah. So in simplest terms, I like to say fast marketing are things that bring in leads fast and slow marketing are things that take a while to work. So in terms of examples, fast marketing is like Instagram, but not even necessarily just like posting on your feed and showing up on stories. It's also like going out and engaging with other people on Instagram or Facebook groups. If you're connecting and people like anything you're getting in front of your ideal client, if you do like in-person bridal shows when they're a thing or um, connecting with vendors, I kind of put as a messy middle. Like if you're doing a styled shoot and you're sharing a lot of behind the scenes, you might get you might get a client right away, but sometimes, sometimes you don't. So it's kind of one of those more dicey. Yeah, yeah. Slow marketing is like things that you do now that take a while to work. So yeah, like Pinterest blogging, YouTube, Pinterest, uh, like getting published in a magazine or yeah. building like a PR strategy, something like that. That's all like, doesn't necessarily produce like a, every blog I write, I get $50 in business. It's yeah. like, it depends and it takes like six months or so to work. Yeah, because that was going to be one of my questions. Like how long would you say it takes for those kinds of things to pay off? Because I think sometimes people, you know, they might start blogging a bit more. They might try and wrap their head around Pinterest. But when they're not seeing those quick results, they think, oh, this isn't working and they throw in the towel. But how long would you say people kind of need to give that strategy in order to start seeing results? I say like at least six months and so when you start on your blog I recommend like having maybe three to five blog posts like right out of the gate and the idea Mm -hmm. there is that people find the keywords they land on your website and then basically you have bingeable content for them so they don't just have like one post and decide Mm -hmm. that they want to book you they have a few and they kind of bounce around your site and there's like content for them to connect with you like you know that no like trust factor that we're always hearing about so I would Start by having a few blog posts on your website and then blog weekly, like let's say for a couple months, and then you can move down to monthly. You can move older blog posts and just refresh them and like, you know, kind of keep it going that way. Pinterest, I say, take it seriously for at least six months. I think that's, it's like you said, when people don't see instant results, they kind of Mm -hmm. drop off of it. But the reality is Pinterest does take at least six months to work. And also you have to think that search trends kind of change. So like if you're using Pinterest or blogging in November, December, people are not necessarily looking for wedding planning advice as much during that time as they do in January. But that doesn't mean that you should start in January. (laughs) You need to have the content already readily available so that when the trends go up and more people are searching, you're already there. You like you can't expect to blog for a month and get to the first page of Google, right? Like it's just 
When you start investing in slow marketing strategies, I would say like you want to make sure that you know this is the business you want. <laughs> you want to be in this mm -hmm. business for, you know, three, five, 10 years, <laughs> whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that makes it worth it to invest in like a six month to a year focused strategy. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, okay, I don't even know how to blog, like you're saying all these words and I just don't even know where to start. What advice do you have there, particularly for someone who feels that blogging is super overwhelming and Pinterest, they just have no idea what kind of strategy works there. Where do you recommend someone starts if they're ready to kind of up-level their marketing strategy? Well, first, I think it's better to do like a few things well than to try and spread yourself too thin. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is just getting started, the first thing I recommend is kind of the same, create that bingeable content, create three to five blog posts that are like cornerstone content. So cornerstone content is basically just like, don't blog about some something super trendy. So don't blog about small weddings right now. Don't talk about color trends. Talk about things like, do I need a wedding planner or wedding designer or, you know, do what does a day of coordinator do or like whatever your industry is. Like I know you're in florals. So you can blog about like, you know, your 15 places to use florals or how to repurpose your florals in your home yeah. after the wedding or whatever tips you have that are going to be like applicable for the long term versus blogging about something trendy. And then yeah. basically once you have that set up, you can just keep reusing and refreshing the blog post, change the date, move it kind of to the top of the yeah. line and then at least you have something versus something that you can be proud of promoting something that you've done well instead of committing to blogging once a week and then you're putting out kind of like subpar content and your other things are dropping on your list yeah no that's really helpful okay so how many marketing avenues is, I don't know if that's the word, marketing streams, platforms, do you think people should be focusing on at a time? Because I know you said before, people shouldn't be spreading themselves too thinly. And I think it is better to kind of focus on a select few really, really well. So what do you think that looks like? How many streams do you think people really should be focusing on at any one time? So it's going to depend how scalable your business is. I know your podcast, sorry, I, I like default to wedding examples, but I know not everyone that listens <laughs> has a wedding business. If you have a wedding business and you are set at a certain amount of clients per year, whether it's like 10 or 100, I think one fast strategy and two slow is more than enough. So like use Instagram, blogging, Pinterest, that is going to be more than enough to fill your calendar. If you have a scalable business, I think... <laughs> as many as possible. And I don't mean like wedding businesses aren't scalable. I just mean like if you can sell something to 10 people or a hundred thousand people, then yeah, the more, the better. Yeah. Okay. No, that's helpful. So going to my coaching business, I'm just going to pick your brains for a second. Yeah. Um, so if Instagram was my fast marketing method, and then I had podcast, which the show notes converted to the blog, which could then be turned into Pinterest graphics. Do you think that's appropriate? Absolutely. Yeah. It's nice to repurpose like so that they're all working together. I think that's really important. Yeah. 
Okay. Because I know like there are so many other platforms that I don't know, people sometimes talk about, as you say, like YouTube or like Facebook groups and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I feel like it's very easy to take on everything and not actually do any of it well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like, I know, um, like that's the power in saying no right away. Right. So like when TikTok came out, I was like, okay, this is going in the no pile. I'm going to spend zero time even contemplating it. Like Clubhouse, I'm kind of curious about. But it's even like, I think it's worse to be curious about a platform. Like you can't commit to saying yes or no to it instead yeah. of just like saying like, I am not even going to consider TikTok. It's off my brain. It's not taking any mental energy from me. Yeah, I was exactly the same. Okay. I'm so glad you mentioned Clubhouse. Can you tell me what your thoughts are on Clubhouse at the moment? I know it's still a relatively new platform. A lot of people still don't even know what it is, but would love to know how you're feeling about it. And if you think it's something that's going to actually go anywhere. Um, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty conflicted. I actually think it will build up steam, but it kind of scares me because the idea of a platform that you have to be on all the time and I you catch up on is like, okay, I think this will be effective for marketing my business, but I kind of have to decide if I actually want this in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. We're people too. And I don't know if I want, like, that would definitely be a fast marketing strategy because yes. it doesn't even give you 24 hours. You know what I mean? So, literally live. Yeah. <laughs> like, if yeah. you miss it, too bad. I know it's such an interesting idea. Um, I remember when my friend explained it to me at first, I was thinking, this, like, this makes no sense. She was like, it's pretty much like a podcast, but it's live and you can't go and re listen to anything. So, you have to be there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's just crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but I do think like it is addictive it's obviously picking up um yes people do like the especially in COVID times when we're not connecting with each other it's like nice to connect in real time yeah I feel that it's very easy to waste a lot of time (laughs) on Clubhouse but um yeah it's, it's interesting I don't I don't necessarily have a strategy there yet but I know that a lot of particularly B2B um, have actually sold or or gotten clients through Clubhouse or have at least expanded their audience. So yeah, I feel that it does have a little bit of sway, but it's interesting to see how it develops. Yeah, I find it interesting. And also their business model of having it as invitation only, I found really interesting. I'll be interested to see if that's something they continue into the future or if it's just a strategy they have, you know, in this early phase just to kind of give people that FOMO, (laughs) sense of FOMO. Yeah, it's incredibly effective. That's for sure. Because like I was dying for an invite. And then when I got totally. home, I was like, what do I even do in here? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I'll also be interested interested to see if I guess the general public kind of pick it up because I know it's not used just for business. Like there are um, rooms in there that are talking about, you know, like motherhood and family and um, like religious topics and politics and health and all of these different things. So it'll be interesting to see if the general public just jump on the clubhouse train just for general interest I guess yeah I agree with you like it'll be interesting to see if it's more of a b2b platform or b2c and I'm interested to see how long they're going to keep this iPhone only too oh is it iPhone only I didn't know that yeah 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 interesting Hmm. Well, I'm glad we had that quick discussion. I just wanted to really pick your brains about that. As soon as you mentioned Clubhouse, I thought, oh my gosh, I need to know what Cara thinks about it. Okay. So I guess that kind of leads us into a really interesting question. I'd love to know um, if there are any forms of marketing that you're predicting will be really key in 2021, particularly for the wedding industry, but in general, um, it sounds like you kind of have your 
regular like base platforms which you're just always preaching blogging pinterest fast and slow are you predicting anything else will kind of take off in 2021 I'm even thinking like reels or anything like that I think yeah I think reels are going to (laughs) continue for a while I also think more wedding industry people are going to be starting podcasts because even though Mm -hmm. podcasting has been around for a while there's not that many wedding podcasts which I'm kind of surprised about like I know there's a few but not really that many so I think more and more industry people are going to be moving over to that platform specifically I think b2c Um, I know there's like a lot of business or b2b sorry podcasts out there already but there's not that many b2c ones so I could see that increasing I think that's everything I'm kind of curious to see about Instagram guides I think they could be an effective way of like making your content on Instagram last longer but I haven't seen too many people use them that effectively yet and I think it's Sorry, what was that? That? oh Instagram guides oh I don't even know what that is <laughs> oh, well it's basically like uh you can you create a guide of like your top Instagram posts so let's say it's like oh. a forest, like these are my favorite greenery bouquets or whatever and you like basically link to specific posts but I think Hi. you have to constantly drive traffic to the guide otherwise like I don't think people are at the point where they're searching for it yet yeah. So is that like a tool on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. It's in the oh. same bar as, as reels or whatever. Oh, I don't know if I have it. I don't know if I have it yet. Maybe they haven't rolled it out into Australia. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to take off or not. I think it's a good idea. And I think we do mm. need ways to make our content go a little farther on Instagram because like, yeah. Even if you look at Facebook, like I'm not even sure Facebook is worth having a page anymore other than for people to like tag you in groups. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting looking at Instagram because they, like it sounds bad, but they they copy a lot of other platforms. Like, you know, TikTok took off and now Instagram has reels. And now I heard that Instagram is, has released or is about to release like rooms pretty much like Clubhouse. And I'm just thinking, wow, Instagram, like they're a genius in the sense that they're just like, okay, that works. We need to do something similar. I mean, even stories, like they've just pretty much copied Snapchat. So, so fascinating to see Instagram evolve and yeah, kind of widen what they do. (laughs) So I'll be interested to kind of look at that space. But yeah, I, I think that Reels are definitely taking off this year. Yeah, and even the fact that you can now search for keywords on Instagram, I think is really mm. interesting. But I think it's going to take some getting used to because like when we write an Instagram caption, we don't necessarily think of keywords. Like our language is yeah. maybe more like flowery or on brand or like applicable to our ideal client and our voice. Whereas like when I'm writing a Pinterest caption for someone, it's like all about the keywords, but it's not necessarily going to like warm people up so I almost wonder if we're gonna have the situation like when you write a blog it's always like are you writing for Google or are you writing for a person (laughs) I'm interested to see how that kind of translates into Instagram yeah because I guess yeah Instagram and SEO has never really been connected in the past um like Instagram's been a very kind of separate space to like standard search engine platforms I guess and when you think about blogging and Pinterest and that kind of thing so yeah it will be very interesting to see what happens there Um, because before I guess Instagram leveraged hashtags but that was very specific to the Instagram platform Um, you weren't necessarily searching hashtags on Google so yeah, yeah that's that'll be fascinating to kind of monitor 
Okay, cool. Well, I would love to know, um, do you have any advice in terms of outsourcing marketing versus DIY? I know that you serve a lot of um, wedding pros who do outsource their marketing, but would love to know your thoughts there. Like how does someone know when they're quote unquote ready to outsource their marketing? Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts there? I think as long as, of course, as long as you can afford it, it's never too early to outsource things that you don't like doing or don't have time to do that are going to push your business forward, whether that's marketing or whether that's something else. Like a lot of times people feel like they shouldn't outsource until they quit their day job or something like that. And that's like one of the biggest things I want to put to rest because like you never have more money that you can invest in your business without feeling that like tighten in your stomach than when you have a day job and you have the money to like put back into your business when it is your full-time income it is a totally different game (laughs) so I think the thing is like yeah whether you want to outsource marketing or something else as long as you're being super intentional about what your goals are and what you're hoping to get out of it it's Mm -hmm. never too early so like if if you wanted to outsource your Pinterest as an example you need to really know, like, are you willing to pay X amount of dollars for the next six months, maybe a year to build your website traffic up to X number, whatever. And then you can have that discussion with the person that you're thinking about hiring and seeing like, like, is your ideal outcome realistic with what you've created your budget for? And hopefully they can kind of help guide you on that because sometimes I have people come to me and they just want to outsource their Pinterest and we kind of have like a conversation about it and it's like well why Pinterest like why do you want to outsource Pinterest and it's like oh I just feel like I need to be on it and it's like that's not the right reason to pay me monthly you know (laughs) so we have to um yeah and DIYing I think is fine like there's lots of good resources but you do especially with slower marketing strategies, you have to be really, really consistent, even if you don't see results right away. So you have to decide if that's, if you're that kind of person or if you're not and no judgment either way. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I like what you said before, like people do need to be willing to pay X amount for six to 12 months rather than kind of Mm -hmm. saying, yeah, I'll give it a go for a month. I'll pay the X amount for one month and see. But like, honestly, that's just going to be a waste of money. (laughs) Like you're better off like not even doing it at all. If you can't commit to kind of doing it for at least yet, you know, what you say six months or so. Yeah, I I usually recommend six months because when people hire me for like a month or two, um, like it's kind of like throwing your money away. Like I will not recommend it. (laughs) We can't even really master the keywords we want to focus on. We can't start trending. We Mm. can't find the right group boards. Like it's just too short of amount of time because Pinterest, like Pinterest as an example, the pins that we pin in month one peak in month six. So for you to say Mm. in month two that it's not working, it's like, literally none of the work we've done has even peaked yet. Like it's way too early to make a decision. And then the other thing I was just going to mention about outsourcing your marketing is think about what platforms are most important to have your exact brand voice. So someone can learn your brand voice. Like I, I'm biased because this is what I do, but I feel like I can learn your brand voice well enough for your Pinterest or your blogging or something like that, but something like, or even Instagram captions. But I Mm -hmm. think it's incredibly hard for people that run personal businesses. So like in the wedding industry or like you, even in the coaching industry where it's so important that people connect with you, Mm -hmm. it would be hard for you to outsource your whole 
social media because you will lose an element of you no matter how good the person on the other end is. Yeah, no, I have thought about that too. Like I would be way more inclined to outsource for my wedding business than for my personal brand (laughs) when it comes to at least social media because I have wondered that too. I'm thinking for the the larger brands, like personal brands who do outsource, I'm thinking – but like, how are they connecting with their audience? Like if they're not even the one behind the screen, like writing their captions or commenting on posts, like they don't even know what connection they have with their own audience. So yeah, it's something that I have battled in the past, but yeah, I guess it's just unique and individual based on the industry and based on the person. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I feel that blogging and Pinterest could definitely be learned by someone else or could be done by someone else who can learn your own brand voice. Yeah, I guess it just depends on the whether it's social media versus Pinterest versus blogging versus whatever that looks like. Yeah, because it's less conversational too, right? Like people mm-hmm. aren't commenting on Pinterest. People don't really comment on blogs or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's but it's like you said, if people, if you're outsourcing your Instagram, people are having like actual conversations with your people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And like in the DMs too, I'm like, does your employee respond to your DMs like under your name? Like, is that, I don't know, like what does that, what does that even look like? <laughs> yeah, totally. And then all of a sudden they bring up a conversation and a consultation and you're like, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I didn't, I never said that. Cause that wasn't me. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's an it's an interesting conversation. Okay, cool. Well, everything we've talked about so far, I know because we both have a background in the wedding industry, so the conversation has definitely been geared towards wedding pros. But I guess, did you just want to clarify in terms of fast and slow? Like, is this something that can be applied across like many different industries? Because I know we do have listeners who aren't necessarily wedding pros. Um, is that something that you you would encourage any kind of entrepreneur to adopt in terms of fast and slow marketing? Yeah. Honestly, it is because I think the same way that you want to diversify your revenue, you also want to diversify your marketing. It's kind of like stackable. It's the same way like in other industries, you might be stacking like your product sales, your service sales, et cetera. You want to be stacking where your marketing is coming in. So if you're getting 20% from Instagram, 30% from Pinterest, 10% from your blog, whatever your numbers look like, it's nice to be like, okay, if one of these platforms goes down, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And Especially, especially, I always want to hesitate like throwing all of your eggs into the Instagram basket because, like, we do not control the platform at all. We already know, like, kind of how Facebook has gone (laughs) in terms Mm -hmm. of organic reach. So, I think it's only a matter of time. And, like, you have to look at where your ideal clients are and where your competition is. So, like, yes, our ideal clients are maybe on Instagram, but so is all of our competition. So like, where can we show up that our competition maybe isn't? And where can we show up just differently? And I think like Instagram is more questionable than Google, right? Like Google, I I could always be wrong, but I don't think it's going anywhere. So if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, Google for sure. Other industries like Pinterest does really well for like home, food, weddings, business education specifically for like female entrepreneurs of different businesses. Uh, I know they're expanding their shopping feature. So if you have like an online store, but again, in one of these categories, like home, food, or weddings. Otherwise, Pinterest isn't the right searchable platform for you. And you want to switch to something like where your ideal client is hanging out, if that's a podcast or YouTube channel, or just put more effort into your blog. Yeah, for sure. This has been such a good conversation. Um, I know a lot of people will be really 
inspired and really feeling a lot more educated in that space I feel like blogging and Pinterest specifically can kind of be something that a lot of people put to the sideline like they think it's too hard too hard basket Um, I can build my business in other ways but I feel that this conversation if anything has just been such a good reminder to not build your business on borrowed land aka Instagram (laughs) and yeah I love the way that you kind of break down blogging in a little bit more of a simple way just getting started with as you say three to five blog posts and going from there so no I'm excited for people to start getting a little bit more serious about about their marketing and adopt some of these strategies. Yeah, me too. I think it's so important. And honestly, you just have to like start and you can get better and better. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Do you have a a method, I guess, in terms of tracking those kinds of metrics or yeah, I guess for the more of the type A listeners who are listening, if they're like just wanting to know the numbers or like keep themselves accountable to posting X amount of times, are there any kind of strategies or ways that you would suggest that happens? Yeah, sure. So for Pinterest, most pinners do success posting uh, about 15 times a day, which sounds Mm -hmm. like a lot. But keep in mind, you can be posting other people's content, you can be reposting your older content. And then of course, the main thing you want to be contributing is your own new content. But like for every blog post, we could do like 10 or 20 Pinterest graphics, post them each to like two, three, four different boards. And kind of get your numbers up that way. But yeah, most pinners see success pinning 15 times a day. In terms of checking your numbers, Pinterest analytics is a great tool. But the most important thing is making sure that your website's verified. So like Mm -hmm. Pinterest will give you this giant vanity metric of monthly impressions. And like, let's say it's a million, for example. You can achieve that fairly easily by just pinning other people's viral content and it is like absolutely no reflection of how well your business is doing on Pinterest but when you actually go into Pinterest analytics you can break down like how many impressions did I get overall how many impressions on pins that are going back to my website how many link clicks how many saves are going back to my website which is the only number I look at and then I cross-reference it on Google Analytics because in the wedding industry especially or any local business I want to know like, okay, if I got 140 link clicks from Pinterest last month, how many were in an area where they could actually hire me? Yeah, because that's obviously really important for any local businesses, I guess, where you're a little bit more like your business happens in a certain area. There's probably no point people right across the world looking at your website if you only serve people in your own city. So no, that's important. Absolutely. Like I always see like these beautiful pins and like, let's say like perfect orange floral bouquet or like whatever it is and then it's like wow it got like 500 saves like I personally am always like business first like how how many other clients could I did I reach by creating that it doesn't matter to me um how many people really see it (laughs) yeah exactly like what results is it actually producing yeah (laughs) yeah and like for blogging I always use google search console which will basically tell you like what keywords you're being found for how often you were found for them and then how often did someone see basically your google website under that keyword and how many did they click so like for example if it was like I'll just use your business as an example like Australia florist or whatever mm-hmm. it's like if you were found 1100 times and people only clicked 10 times it means people didn't think that your website was going to give them what they were looking for but if your mm-hmm. website was found 10 times and shown 15 times you're in good shape yeah no, that's really helpful 
Oh, really good. Okay. Well, a question that I always ask as part of the podcast, um, is there a time in your business that you decided to take imperfect action and, and how did this pay off? What did that look like? It's something that I often talk about on this podcast is overcoming perfectionism. So as you reflect on your journey, is there anything that comes to mind that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would say, um, well, the biggest thing, honestly, was like the pivot. Like I wasn't sure exactly yeah. what my services would look like. I wasn't sure who I was going to work with. <laughs> like I just yeah. kind of like kept showing up, kept, kept putting myself out there, kept trying things. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite things. And I've tried to find a source to like quote, but the problem is so many people have said it now, but it's like action creates clarity. So like you're yeah. never going to find clarity on what you're doing. Like sitting in a box, thinking about it, planning it, like just like going out and doing it. So I kind of try and like live by that. And then when I pivoted, that was like a perfect example. Like I'm just going to keep trying things and see what, see what I love from there instead of just thinking about what I love. Yeah. No, I love that. And I know we talked about it at the top of the episode, but yeah, it's such a good reminder. Like action creates clarity. I've always loved that quote and super yeah, I guess inspiring for anyone who's listening, who has this idea and they're thinking of pivoting or starting something new. Um, like just start, <laughs> just start yeah. the best way to launch is to launch. So yeah, I love that. Okay, cool. Well, before we dive into where people can find you, I have a few rapid fire questions just so we can get to know you a little bit more and you can share maybe some of your favorite tools, but um, would love to know if there is a podcast you're loving at the moment or like a business book that you think our audience would benefit from. Yeah, I think my favorite podcast is um, <laughs> The Power and Purpose with Candace Coppola. Yeah. And business book, I would probably say right now I'm diving into Profit First again. I forget yeah. what the author's name is. <laughs> but I know it's kind of been, it's had some buzz around it, and I think yeah. it's worth a read for sure. Yeah, it's a really good book. So good. Okay. Um, is there a favorite business tool that you're loving at the moment? Like tool, resource, app, whatever? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I am loving Asana. I I hired another little shameless plug, but I hired Serana at Simply Organized Solutions at, yeah. to basically like take my process and put it into an Asana board. And it has been like a game changer having everything in one place. I think so many times we've heard like a CRM will like change your life or like HoneyBook or whatever floating yeah. around, but it's like until you... Um, it's going to amplify whether or not your systems are already good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's really good. Um, have you ever used another project management system before Asana or is this your first one? I think the thing is I tried to use um, a, a bunch of different things, but I would yeah. never commit to it. Like I, yeah. I, I like Trello. I think Trello could probably do the same thing as Asana. It's just like I never had it set up for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I don't necessarily think any one is better than the other. I think you just kind of need to choose one and commit to using it and setting it up. And if that means paying someone X amount of money to do it properly for you, um, I think that's, yeah, that's sometimes the best option. Otherwise, like coming from experience and as you say, it's so easy to like try all of the different things and have shiny ob objects syndrome. But if you don't actually take the time to set it up to suit you, then it's just a waste of time and you're never actually going to use it or rely on it. So no, that's great. Yeah. Like if you have bad systems, you're going to have bad systems before and after you have a project management system. Yeah, for sure. I'll also link um, Sarana's website in the show notes as well for anyone who 
feels like that's a total mess. Um, Sarana's really great at those organization solutions. Um, so good. Okay. And then last but not least, what are three things that are bringing you joy right now? I would say my dogs. I'm definitely a fur mom. Um, my business. I'm like one of the many people that have found such joy in, the, in yeah. their businesses. And then third thing I would say, oh, I'm finally using my felt board. Like, you know, that we're like trendy, like two or three years yeah. ago. Yeah, so I never good. used to write on mine. So I finally started using it. And you know what? It gives me joy to look at. Very good. That's actually on my to-do list is to set up my office a bit more and have one of those boards. So tell me, how do you use it? What kind of stuff do you write on there, put on there? Sometimes I put like affirmations or like right now yeah. it says it's okay to want what you really want. And just like, yeah, it's just like a reminder to just be like unapologetic, like get going. Like, yeah, just like motivational things or. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah exactly you need that (laughs) no that's been on my to-do list forever is to set something like that up so maybe I'll go do that this week (laughs) so good well Cara it's been so good chatting about all things marketing um thank you so much for coming on the show so can you share with our listeners where people can find you where do you hang out how can people connect with you yeah, absolutely. So you can definitely connect with me on Instagram. You'll link the handle in the show notes. Does that work? And I'm always doing mini trainings and just sharing like new tips that I'm finding on the different platforms. And I love to connect and have conversations on there. Amazing. And I've loved following you on Instagram and all of the goodness that you serve up in that space. So um, yeah, we'll definitely be sure to link that in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow you. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy that you had me today. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Thanks, Cara. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss future episodes. And while you're at it, if you'd like to leave a five-star rating on iTunes, I would be so grateful. This lets me know what kind of content you're loving so that I can keep creating valuable content for you in the future. It also helps this podcast to find its way to the ears of other creatives just like you. You can check out the show notes for links to everything that was mentioned in this episode or head to my website www.saraluthi.com for more information and some cheeky freebies. Thanks again for being here friend. I am so grateful for you and I'm cheering you on as you imperfectly pursue your purpose.